Welcome to In a Positive Light, a podcast highlighting innovative strategies to end the HIV epidemic in the United States. Your hosts are Richard and Nathan Walsh, a serodiscordant couple who operate the healthcare technology company Continued. Continued is dedicated to developing technology to improve access to care for under-resourced communities. guys, thanks for listening and welcome to the first episode of In a Positive Light. I'm Richard Walsh. And my name is Nathan Walsh. And we're your hosts. A little bit about us. Uh, our team has been working since 2018 in HIV using digital technology to engage with populations and bring them into care. We decided to start this podcast when we realized that a lot of organizations are now taking advantage of this digital landscape to provide quality care to clients, but it's very foreign and new to m- most organizations. And we wanted to make sure we had an avenue for, for you and your, uh, your coworkers to share ideas with other people across the country so that we can really bring together the best of the best and work to end the HIV epidemic in the United States. In this podcast, we're going to be speaking with industry leaders and talking to them about how they are working to end the HIV epidemic. Our goal is to highlight some really innovative approaches that are being used throughout the country so that you and your organization can start to think about the ways to bring these practices to your own community. Today, we are going to be talking to Leah Hopper, the Executive Director of AIDS Ministries in South Bend, Indiana. AIDS Ministries is a grassroots organization. And I think what's really great about Leah and the organization itself, you know, is that, is that they've been really focused on how to provide innovative care to their clients. Many of their clients are living in a rural setting in northern Indiana. So when COVID hit, they didn't know what to do. We didn't really understand this uh, illness. And so they closed their doors and that really cut off their population from being able to get to them. Like most HIV service organizations, they had to close to protect their clients and protect their staff. But even COVID could not stop Leah Hopper. We have known and worked with Leah for a couple of years now. And we know that she will do anything to get anything done for her community. There's nothing that really will stand in the way of uh, Leah meeting the needs of her clients. Red tape is nothing to her, (laughs) and her clients really benefit from that. (laughs) So I'm really excited for us to have her on the show today. So we can talk to her about, you know, how they've been using innovation uh, and, you know, digital infrastructure to really embrace the idea of telehealth. And, you know, they've really gone a above and beyond the traditional concept of telehealth to really bring some innovative solutions to client retention during COVID. I think they're seeing really great clinical outcomes as a result, so I'm really excited to highlight that with her today. Yeah, so in the public health sector, telehealth can be a really great thing, especially with COVID. But telehealth itself is hard to master and even harder to make accessible, because that's actually the true metric of success for telehealth. You know, not everyone has everything they need to make telehealth successful. Some people are going to be lacking in the device itself, or the network connection, or the technical know-how, so that you can have real, meaningful telehealth connection. Building that really meaningful connection in telehealth is critical right now, because, you know, we're all struggling with how we engage and build relationships during COVID when, when most of our interactions are through a computer or a phone screen. So, 
you know, how do you go above and beyond and continue to nurture a relationship with your, your case manager or care coordinator? And, and how, do, how do they build relationships with new clients so that they can trust them with the intimate parts of their lives? I think what Leah's doing in South Bend is a great shining example of how to build really rich engagement strategies in this digital landscape. So again, we're very excited to have you here today, Leah. Uh, and I think let's just go ahead and jump right in. You know, Do you mind uh, giving us a little bit of history on AIDS Ministries and the community that you serve? Sure, so AIDS Ministries started 32 years ago um, by the church, the Methodist church um, in South Bend in the Catholic church. So um, we were comprised of some organizations and some volunteers. Um, and at that time we were just serving people who were dying from HIV and then it grew into more prevention efforts um, and then evolved into the services that we do now um, and working with people who are both at risk for HIV and then living with HIV. And so um, now what we do is we provide the services and programming to people who are living with HIV as well as those at risk. So we provide uh, case management services, both medical and non-medical, transportation. We do a food pantry. We have a non-medical case management as far as enrollment specialist and insurance. Um, navigation, we do, oh my gosh, so many services, I can't list them all. Uh, housing, we own housing, we, so we do everything from emergency placement for housing all the way to permanent supportive housing. Um, we have emergency financial assistance. Um, we have, um, on our prevention side of things, we have a street outreach program that we run, um, offering harm reduction services to uh, the homeless population as well as those who are at risk of becoming a HIV or hepatitis C in infected. Um, we have a clinic on site, we have a pharmacy on site, um, so we offer those services as well as um, testing for HIV, hepatitis C, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. Um, and then the other services that we offer um, would be our um, prevention case management, our PrEP services, so we have our PrEP clinic, um, and then we do door drop testing as well. Oh, I should also mention that we do support groups. Um, so we have a substance abuse support group that we offer, we have um, life skills classes that we offer, um, and then we um, offer some like cooking classes and um, general support group. And then um, through our SPSP program, um, we offer um, those classes as well as, as financial literacy. And then um, we have a family support specialist um, who works with the families of our clients for people who are living with HIV as well as the general community um, too. Wow, thank you for that amazing rundown of your history. It, uh, it's amazing that a grassroots organization like this started from the 80s, from a church, no less. Um, and it honestly sounds like you guys are kind of doing a, a bit of it all in terms of services. It's almost like you were all a one-stop shop. We try. We, you know, we really love to see that service model being able to serve you know, across a variety of needs for clients and help them get everything they need in that one place. Um, I know that uh, we're going to be having a, our next guest is going to be talking about their one-stop shop model. So it's really awesome to, to hear you walk through some of that too. Yeah. So uh, do you mind if you kind of walk us through how you stepped into the role as the executive director? 
So I've been working with AIDS Ministries for just going into my 15th year, and I became the executive director, I believe it's been six years now. Prior to being with AIDS Ministries, um, I worked for a local shelter, women's batter shelter here in town, and at that time AIDS Ministries was coming and speaking to the women about the services of AIDS Ministries. Um, so I was aware of what was going on um, regarding HIV. Um, and we also at that time had an infant who was HIV positive that nobody really wanted to care for in the facility. So um, my role at the shelter was the children's case manager and so I became, um, became caring for that infant. Um, and it was then that I developed my passion for HIV, just uh, learning about the disease and not understanding why someone wouldn't want to care for an infant. Um, and was wearing gloves to care for the infant. I just couldn't get past the stigma that was associated. Um, and so when an opening became available here, I took it. Um, and then I learned about all the people that were actually in my life that were positive um, by working here and stayed and developed a big passion that I had. I think just being able to tell my clients that there's more um, and helping them, I think, uh, and trying to reduce that stigma that's out there. Knowing that you can have a normal life and that there's more to it. Like HIV is like any other disease and what does it matter? You can have everything that you want um, and just treating everybody with that kindness that they deserve. That's a really awesome message and I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, you're so passionate about the work that you do and that your clients get to benefit uh, and, and be involved with you in that capacity as well. So I know that you kind of touched on this already, but uh, can you maybe give us a, a little bit more detail about the digital services that you're providing to your clients and through the scope of you know all of the different things that your organization is doing? How have you adapted to COVID and, and what are you doing to keep up with it? Sure, so I would say um, one of my favorite things that we do now um, is the tablets. So we do all of our programs currently remote um, due to COVID and we were able to do that through these tablets that we um, are able to give our clients, uh, which has allowed us to remain connected to them during COVID. Uh, and I, our clients absolutely love them. So we're able to Zoom with them and offer our support groups virtually. Um, and we are also able to use these tablets to track our programming uh, for instance, our transportation logs are now kept on them, and uh, it's real time. So we can see you know, how many miles that our drivers are doing each day. We can see where they're going each day. Um, so on an admin side, it's allowed me this, this um, immediate uh, flexibility to see what's going on. Um, and then on the programmatic side, um, it's allowed us to uh, keep in touch with our clients um, daily, especially for those in our rural communities. Um, so we're able to tap into them um, whenever they want basically to connect with us. Um, instead of driving the two hours there and back to see someone, we can now just Zoom and see them instantly when they have an issue. That is a lot of services to have deployed already uh, to this digital landscape, yep. um, and especially in such a short window. I mean, so many organizations are still struggling just to figure out how to do their their core services online, let alone support groups and, and some of these other things that, that you're doing, Leah. Um, I do want to take a quick moment here just for our audience because uh, you know we they may not be familiar with our services and what we do is continued. But um, you know, Leah, the tablets that you just referenced, we provide those tablets to 
uh, aid service organizations who have clients who can't access telehealth, you know, for, for any reason. Um, and we customize the interface of each device to the, the, the patient or the client's unique treatment plan. And, you know, when they're in the field, if they move into a special population like substance use support, uh, those devices can be customized to, to meet their unique needs. So it's really exciting to hear about how you're using them, Leah. Um, I mean, that's it's still a lot of services to, uh, to be offering on the digital side. Um, how else are you guys using technology uh, during COVID to just you know, improve your clients' retention and uh, improve the productivity of your staff? Um, what else have you guys done? Um, we were also able to do some forms. Um, so all of our forms were digitized, um, making that easy for both the clients and the staff. So when we are Zooming with someone, we can bring a form up, we can share our screen, they can sign it, we can sign it. Um, we don't have to mail anything to the clients, they don't have to come in just to sign a paper. Um, we can just email it to them, they can sign it, send it back, and it's over. So um, I think things have been really simplified during this time, um, making it much more easier for our clients and for the staff. Um, especially those of our clients who are on maintenance. So, you know, there's those two types of clients who have those active ones who are very engaged and need that additional support. And then you have the maintenance ones who really just need you for maybe just insurance. And so those maintenance clients who we don't need to be seeing every month or every you know quarter, we can just send them that form to sign and they can send it right back through the, the digital form. So I think that's been really, um, really easy. Um, and then as far as some of our other programs go, I think um, our PrEP clinic has been really good, you know, getting people engaged through PrEPs to re reduce their risk of getting HIV. Um, having that be virtual too has been very helpful for us. So um, the client doesn't even need to come to our office. Um, we can do all of that virtually um, through, through Zoom and, and through telehealth with our doctor. So um, our doctor is, does all of her appointments right now virtually for both our HIV clinic and our prep clinic, um, and having the tablet available for those appointments um, has helped too with our, our viral suppression. Um, and then um, the other thing is, you know, we still do transportation. So we will drop the meds at the door for the client. We will drop food pantry at the door for the client. Um, if the client needs to go to the lab, we can either drop their lab slip to them or we can pick them up and take them to the lab. So um, we have made this as simple as possible for somebody to be retained in care. Even with our housing program, um, we are even doing our housing inspections virtually. So we have these admin tablets um, that we will take and we will, a client doesn't have to leave their house, we will take the tablet um, to the home for them. We will walk it around the house and do the inspection, um, make sure that it's good, make sure the client can see it. Um, and that is all done virtually too. Um, so literally there, there's nothing that a client or a staff member has to put themselves in jeopardy for right now. Testing um, too, we are doing. So we will drop a test at um, a patient's door if they would like door drop testing. Um, and then they sign up online through our portal. Uh, the, door, the test kit is dropped at their house. They can Zoom with us. Uh, we will walk them through how to use the test. They can show us the results um, and the test is complete. So they don't even have to come to the office to get the test done. Um, if they would like a STD test, we will do the same thing. So we will drop the test off 
Um, they give us a urine specimen or they swab themselves. We pick it up, we wait in the car while they do that. We go back, they drop it outside their door, we pick it up, we come back, we process it, and then we will call or Zoom with them once the results come in um, and share that with them. So Leo, with everything that you just covered right there with your services on the digital side, what do you think is the most successful? Definitely the tablets. Um, we currently are offering a wait list for our tablets because we've had such a success rate with those and clients um, truly love them. Um, not only can they engage with us, but they can engage with their other providers too. So they utilize them for the VOA, they utilize them um, for their medical provider, they utilize them to attend church services, um, to attend NA or AA in the community. Um, they are utilizing them for, for all kinds of services to just stay connected. Um, so I think that is probably one of our, the biggest successes that we've had with technology. And that's amazing. Actually, we've seen across the board that you are one of the most successful organizations when it comes to working with our telehealth tablets. Uh, and you've, you, we've seen the best outcomes out of your organization. And Leah, you mentioned VOA. Um, for our listeners, um, many HIV service organizations here in Indiana are partnering with Volunteers of America, another nonprofit organization to connect their clients with telehealth mental health services when when the HIV service organizations do not provide the mental health aspect of their care in-house. So Leah, let me ask, um, connecting with clients online is very different than meeting them in person. So how are you connecting with your clients via telehealth and how are you keeping them engaged? I would say definitely by the different Zooms that we offer. So, you know, we don't just offer like a case management appointment or a typical support group. We found ways that we can offer fun activities. So, you know, we offer a craft class or we offer a cooking class. So, um, and in our cooking class, we have guest cooks. So come cook with your case manager. And we have found that that builds some rapport and you get to see the staff in a different light. It's not just your typical, you know, case management appointment or your typical review with your caseworker. It, it, it brings, I think, a different side of people out um, and you, you just get to, to have fun. And I think that has um, allowed the staff and the clients both just to like relieve some stress um, and to some com camaraderie between us. I love that. I really love that. What do your clients think about having to have moved to digital over the past year? So it, it was tough, I, I will say, and um, we've had some challenges. I, um, you know, one, we had to teach them how to use technology because not everybody um, had the capability um, and we had to give them the capability. So we did have to give them the tablets and, and we had to teach them. Um, so we were fortunate enough to have some staff who have done a lot of training with our clients um, and still continue. So we, we still have some clients um, who don't understand the technology. Um, and so we still do one-on-ones. We just had somebody come in just today and we sat with them in a conference room and we walked them through how to use their tablet again for probably the fifth time. Um, and 
but it, it, it works and they were able to finally, finally zoom. Um, and so, and then the benefit that they get from that and how, you know, we didn't give up um, and we just keep trying. Absolutely. It's really difficult for a lot of people to pick up a new platform or even a whole new way of getting their care after so long of doing it one certain way. So it really just speaks to your innovation to fully embrace telehealth. Yeah, I, I think this is a really, you know, this is a shining example of what it means to embrace this form of innovation and, and intervention, rather, um, and making it accessible to your clients. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, prior to COVID, I personally had never attended a telehealth appointment. Um, and I'm a techie. Now, this is what I do for a living. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, when I, the few times that I had looked at it, it was just complicated. I had to re-enter all of my information into a system to see the same providers that I had been seeing before. They have my information, right? But why would I have to re-enter my intake and my insurance information when I saw you in person two months ago? It's a really frustrating experience. And at times kind of degrading as the consumer. Um, so, but at least that's, that's been my experience with it. So I avoided it until COVID. Uh, but I, I really love the way you guys are making a difference in the way your clients are accessing care and you're, you're breaking it down and finding a way to have that human touch that quite frankly, most of us are probably not getting in our day-to-day -day experiences during, you know, COVID with, with Zoom being the primary way of interacting with people. We're not having, um, you know, s digital support classes and, and life skills, things like that, things that are keeping us engaged. So it's really awesome to see you guys doing that and helping people become champions of their own health as a result. Yeah. And I totally feel this because me personally, I'm a people person. So, you know, back before COVID, I would 100% uh, rather be having my appointment in person. And even now, you know, I'm given the option to do telehealth and I would, you know, I would do telehealth to keep people safe around me. But I still really like that person in person contact. But it sounds like, Leah, you are finding ways to make this digital engagement more enticing, and you're making your clients want to come back, want to come back to their appointments. But we know that this type of intervention is not for everyone. For example, populations that are not as tech savvy might have a harder time engaging digitally for their care. So do you have any specific populations in your community that are especially resistant to this form of intervention? Or do you have any populations that do well and are, are more positive with uh, mobile health intervention? Well, obviously, I think the younger generation um, knows how to use technology more proficient than the, the older. Um, but. I mean, we have an 82-year-old who joins our craft class, so I can't say that you know one population does it more than the others. Um, I I will say that those with that have a mental health diagnosis um, have been more apt to learn it, just so that they can stay engaged. Um, so we have found that, um, and we've also found that the smaller groups work better than larger groups. Um, so that's why we do offer more classes um, than just one large group. Uh, and we learn that over time. <laughs> but I don't say there's one population over another. Um, I think our groups are very well diverse um, when it comes to you know age, sex, and gender, um, or age, race, and gender. 
um, definitely they're very diverse. Nice, very nice. So I want to pivot the conversation a little bit, and I want to ask the big topic question. Yeah, let's let's talk about what all the funders and administrators really want to know. <laughs> so the question is, is telehealth even working? You know, the U.S. has been under the COVID pandemic for almost a year to the day. And everyone was kind of thrust into having more of their services moved to digital. But is that working for the community? Are you seeing any increases in adherence and retention? And what about your clinical outcomes? Have they been improving at all because of your programming? Definitely. Um, we have definitely seen our viral load increase. We've seen a retention in our clients. Um, when I uh, first said, you know, we're, we have to go virtual to the staff, the first thing that popped up is, oh, how many clients are we going to lose by doing this? And um, we've actually seen a, a gain in clients. Um, our retention stayed and we have acquired more clients this year than we have in previous. Um, so we, we do know that going virtual has helped. Um, and then our, our viral load too has um, maintained and even some quarters increased. Um, so so I, I think we're fortunate there. Um, do I think that it has that technology played a part solely? No. I also believe that it's the other services that we, we offer. Um, we're well-rounded here, and I think that plays a, a huge role. That's what we love to hear. We love to see these positive outcomes as a result of transitioning to digital services. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, as a tech developer and as somebody who, who works from this space, from the outside looking in, um, it's, we, we always try to base our product development around research, you know, what we know works. And there's this study from 2016, uh, it, it was created by Positive Links out of the, I believe, the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And they uh, deployed a mobile app to something like 77 participants in a rural community just to assess how mobile health intervention would affect clinical outcomes. And that app, uh, you know, they, it gave clients the ability to communicate with their providers, access educational resources, track their mental health, um, and a variety of other just tools. Um, what's really key here is that any of the participants who didn't have a smartphone or who didn't have unlimited data, they got that as part of the study, right? So everybody had equal access to those tools. And what they found is that it improved retention and the viral load suppression significantly. Um, so it's you know proven that this type of intervention works, but you just you really have to lean into it. And your program, Leah, does that. Uh, it really kind of wraps around and, and works to address the root problems to give your community a way to be engaged in their care. And we just love to see that happening on this digital stage. We love to see it. So while we're on these topics that administrators love to hear about, uh, can we kind of take another turn and start to talk about uh, HIPAA, right? How do, how do you kind of handle addressing the long-term implications of telehealth and mobile health intervention? You know, How do you protect your organization and your clients um, when you're moving into spaces that are really unfamiliar and, and brand new territory? Uh, I will say, if there is an opportunity to do something, the first thing I think of is, I'm gonna do it. And then I will figure out uh, all those other things. Um, but one, I, I, always, I always think of the client first. And will this program help the client? And more likely than none, yes, it will. 
and then I think of all the, the other things. And um, most of the time, I always check with the lawyer, like, can I do this? And he's like, OK, I know you're going to do it, Leah, so then I'll figure out how to make it safe for you. Um, so uh, typically, I always say yes and then ask the lawyer. Um, but that's me, and I know that's not other people. Uh, but I'm, I'm always aware of the safety when it comes to this. And I mean, working with you guys, I always know it's usually HIPAA compliance, so I don't ever have that fear. Um, but with other, with other programming, I, I always, I mean, I check into that. I'm not gonna lie, I do check into it. Uh, but, but usually I just go with my gut and then ask the lawyer. <laughs> I'm being honest. And that is exactly why we absolutely love working with you, Leah. It's that you're not afraid to innovate. If you think it's going to help your clients and your community, you're going to go for it. So, speaking of, let's ask you a really fun question. If money and technology were no issue, what would be the next digital offering that you would give to your community? Oh, wow. I don't know that one. That's a good question. Um, I would like to say... I, I, would I want to continue the tablets. I love them so much, and I think everybody should have them. Um, that would be my plug for you, um, <laughs> or me. Um, <laughs> and then, um, I, I really, I mean, I think like a cell phone with a client for a client would be great. I think them being able to like text and call would be awesome. Um, that would be another big push for me too. Being able to give a cell phone to even like our outreach people would be, you know, the our harm reduction clients would be an awesome thing. Um, but I, there's always that fear of the selling of them. Um, that that's always a fear for me. Um, but just being able to contact, you know, the homeless clients or um, our testing, our you know, our frequent testers. Um, that would be amazing as well. I, I really just want to highlight something you just said, Leah. And you know, you're focusing on so many different populations who need your support, like the the housing insecure and the harm reduction populations. But the the theme is that you know they could all really be benefiting from telehealth if it was accessible to them. And so it sounds like to me, you know, on my side, I'm hearing that your biggest concern is that you feel limited by your ability to stay in communication with your clients. And that seems to be something that if money or technology weren't an issue, you would be able to solve immediately. And I think that's one of the ways that, you know, moving towards ending the HIV epidemic, these are the issues that we really need to be conscious of. And oftentimes red tape can hold us back from achieving those. So I guess our last question for you then is, you know, what advice do you have for our listeners about how they can follow in your footsteps and step into this digital space with their clients? I would say never be scared to try something new. Um, just always think about the good you could do um, and make it work. All right, well, that's actually all we have for you today, Leah. We don't wanna keep you away from your clients for too long. So thank you so much for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks for being the first guest on our show, Leah. Thank you guys for having me. So that was our first conversation with a public health leader in ending the HIV epidemic. I love Leah. I really do too. Yeah, I, I always enjoy our conversations with her. I especially love that she's very much like me. 
if she needs something done for her community, she's going to do it and then ask about the legalities later. You know, <laughs> you and I balance each other pretty well because I'm sitting over here just kind of like, I support this message. Um, but as somebody who spends a lot of my time working with contracts, it concerns me a little bit. Now, now I'm not saying stop, don't do it. It's more like a, um, a yellow light. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the green light. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's really great to see how an organization like AIDS Ministries has taken something as detrimental as COVID and turned it into a really great, healthy opportunity for their clients. So, you know, it, it's really a great way to show people how they can stay engaged. And we've, we've heard some fantastic success, success stories come out of AIDS Ministries. Yeah, a really good example actually is how one client was actually using the telehealth tablets to access their church social services and their support groups there. So the telehealth can really help from a, a spectrum of different parts of your life, whether it be from your faith to services like food pantries and housing. Um, it's so much more than just your telemedicine. Yeah, I think, uh, and this this is not necessarily related to AIDS Ministries. Another one of our, the organizations that we work with uh, was giving us a little bit of a testimony from one of their clients about how they attribute their ability to stay sober during COVID to the use of mobile health intervention. The ability for them to just access their AA meetings virtually, which they weren't able to do prior to receiving a tablet from the organization, um, gave them a line of communication with their support group and their ability to text their care coordinator when they were having trouble or needed additional support. Um, you know, they said that that's the reason they were able to stay sober. So it's like, I, I just love how these organizations are really embracing telehealth and moving it beyond that video call with their doctors. And that's what a lot of people think telehealth is. And that's why it, it took so long for it to really materialize within the healthcare space as a legitimate option because everybody had a stunted view of what it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID has really pushed everybody uh, to look at this digital landscape as the new frontier, I think. And there's so much that we can do if we just peel back our fear of, of you know, managing patient health information and realize that we're all operating in the cloud as it is. So what can we do to, um, you know, move forward into this new space in a way that's going to be really beneficial for our clients and as a result for retention rates uh, and, and, and viral suppression? It's important to note here and point out that, yes, vaccines are going to become accessible, hopefully in the near future. But we are still in a completely new normal. And even after the pandemic and even after COVID is dealt with, I strongly believe that telehealth is going to remain at the forefront of how we administer care. We can't go back to the way we used to. We have to continue to move forward. And so my advice to anyone listening right now is to keep an open mind and maybe get a little creative in how you connect with your clients in your community through a digital landscape. Yeah, just think about think about the, uh, you know, maybe you've got a client who's just on maintenance, right? You see them every six months, but they've got four kids and they maybe they don't have the most reliable transportation and they've got to load their kids onto a bus to get to you. Do you need to have that in-person appointment or is it gonna help them, help them, genuinely help them to have 
a phone call or a video call with you and you get more access to their life, right? And, and they feel more comfortable because they're not having to be put in this really uncomfortable situation to get to you and feel overwhelmed and like they're a burden when they get there um, because they've got kids, right? So you just open up the opportunity for a more comfortable relationship and experience with them. It's more accessible to them. They may be more likely to engage with you and, and talk about what's going on in their life uh, because they've got the time all the time that they're saving. Um, so it's just, you know, there are tons and tons of examples of, of how telehealth and, and mobile health intervention is going to break down traditional barriers um, while keeping in mind that it does throw up some additional uh, you've, you've got to keep in mind that not everybody has access to smart devices. Not everybody has access to uh, internet or uh, data on a cell phone. They don't necessarily understand how to use the technology. And as a result, some people don't trust it. So it has its own set of barriers that you have to break down. But when you're willing to do so, when you're willing to put in the work like AIDS Ministries is and sit down with your clients and help them understand how to utilize this, you're going to see that reduction in viral load. You're going to see that improved retention. You're going to see clients having a better relationship, being in more frequent contact. And you're going to see that acuity drop, I think. Absolutely. Well, that's actually all we have for today. But thank you so much for listening to our first episode of In a Positive Light. Again, my name is Nathan Walsh. And I'm Richard Walsh. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of In a Positive Light. If you have any questions or feedback for our guests or hosts, visit poslight.org to contact us. That's P-O-Z-L-I-G-H-T dot org. You can also join our Facebook group, Positive Light Community, to share ideas and participate in conversations about ending the HIV epidemic. Have a great week and shine bright.